How is it? You need to go up a little bit, or is it all right? It's all right. The, uh, I just was reminded here as you were up here that one time I remember going up into, uh, by the North Pole and doing a conference up there. And uh, if we had weather like this up in the North Pole, nobody came to work, nobody came to school, they all went and played. So I'm, a, I'm amazed that you're still here. November 5th, 75 degrees, amazing. Uh, here we are picking up from the book of Mark, from where we left off, and uh, I, I think there's some interesting things here that I, I want us to try to think through today as we read the, this portion of Scripture. And, uh, and I'm going to read the entire portion of Scripture for a purpose, and the reason I want to do that is because uh, it reads almost like a complete sentence. Uh, in between every single parable is the word and, and it's there so that you don't stop right there. There's a reason that it's put in here, and I think you'll start to feel the weight of where we're going with this and how important it is that you understand why it was written like this. So if, uh, if you would just be still enough to let the Spirit of God work in your life, uniquely in yours, and know that you are unique to God alone, there's none like you, and let the Word speak to you as we look at Mark chapter 4, starting with verse 1, and we're going to go all the way to verse 34. Mark 1. And he began to teach again by the sea, and such a very great multitude gathered to him that he got into the boat in the sea and sat down, and the whole multitude was by the sea on the land. And he was teaching them many things in parables, and was saying to them in his teachings, Listen to this. Behold, the sower went out to sow. And it came about, as he was sowing, some seed fell at the road, and the birds came and ate it up. Other seed fell on the rocky ground, where it did not have much soil, and immediately it sprang up, because it had no depth of the soil. And after the sun had risen, it was scorched, and because it had no root, it withered away. And other seed fell among the thorns, and the thorns came up and choked it, and it yielded no crop. And other seeds fell into the ground, or the good soil, and as they grew up and increased, they yielded a crop and produced thirty, sixty, and a hundredfold. And he was saying, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. And as soon as he was alone, his followers, along with the twelve, began asking him about the parable, and he was saying to them, To you it's been given the mystery of the kingdom of God, but those who are outside get everything in parables." in order that while seeing they may see and not perceive, and while hearing they may hear and not understand, lest they return and be forgiven. And he said to them, Do you not understand this parable? And how will you understand all the parables? The sower sows the word, and these are the ones who are beside the road where the word is sown. And when they hear immediately, Satan comes and takes away the word which has been sown in them. And in a similar way, These are the ones on whom seed was sown on the rocky places, who, when they hear the word, immediately receive it with joy. And they have no root, firm root, in themselves, but are only temporary then. When affliction comes or persecution arises because of the word, immediately they fall away or stumble. And others are the ones on whom the seed was sown among the thorns. These are the ones who have heard the word, and the worries of the world, and the deceitfulness of riches, and the desires for other things enter in and choke the word. It becomes unfruitful because of their miscontent. And those are the ones on whom seed was sown on the ground, soil, 
and they hear the word and accept it, and they bear fruit thirty, sixty, and a hundredfold. And he was saying to them, A lamp is not brought to be put under a peck measure, as it is it, or under a bed? Is it not brought to put the lamp stand? For nothing is hidden except to be revealed, nor has anything been secret, but that it should come to light. If any man has ears to hear, let him hear. And he was saying to them, Take care what you listen to. By your standard of measure, it shall be measured to you, and more shall be given you besides. For whoever has to him shall more be given, and whoever does not have, even what he has shall be taken away from him. And he was saying, The kingdom of God is like a man who casts seed upon the soil and goes to bed at night and gets up in the day and seed sprouts up and grows how he himself does not know. The soil produces crops by itself, first the blade, then the head, then the mature grain in the head. But when the crop permits, he immediately puts in the sickle because the harvest has come. And he said, are you kind of getting this and, 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 and pretty soon have you already forgotten the first parable? I mean, it's like my mind grabs something in Scripture and I kind of grab a hold of it and I'm meditating on it and by that time he's moved to something different with a different thought and I moved over here and I'm trying to keep a hand on this last one but he is going over and over and over and now he says, and shall it be pictured the kingdom of God or by what parable shall we present it? It is a mustard seed which when sown upon the soil, though it's smaller than all the seeds that are upon the soil, yet when it's sown grows up and becomes larger than all the garden plants and forms large branches so that the birds of the air can rest in it in its shade. And with many, many, many such parables, he was speaking the word to them, and they were able to hear it. And he did not speak to them without a parable, but he was explaining everything privately to them. Now, the reason I read through that whole thing, that whole portion of Scripture, is because of the same reason that I think many of the people that were observers would listen to this. There are such, it's such a tendency for us that when we read something like that, our first thing is that we want to interpret it. We want to get in and start interpreting that parable. Isn't that kind of what you're reading that? Aren't you starting to try to make sense out of what it's saying? And what he was showing them is first and foremost, far, far above and beyond these parables. Because if you just take the parables and you try to dissect them yourself, number one, these have become very shaming, condemning, almost legalistic parables. They're scary, some of them. And he's saying, if you're going to try to do that, number one, I'm going to let you know you can't. It's impossible. Nobody can understand a parable but the author of the parable. You can't understand these. That's the point he was making. These are parables, and he says, and he also goes on in the book of Luke, the same uh, sowing parable, and in Matthew 18 or 13, the same thing. He adds a few words that are different than this. He says, How are you ever going to understand these parables? And here's the point that I want us to gather, and I think we need to grasp this in our, in our soul so that we can go back to the parables and now begin to let them unfold, which bring life and, and fruit and, and the fruits of God's life in your life.
But first and foremost, he is doing something to these disciples that now the outsiders, remember he calls them outsiders, they don't get. They never will. 1 Corinthians 2 says, the natural man cannot understand the things of God. They're spiritually appraised. He can't comprehend them. Uh, my wife's here, Tom's here. These two have known me most of my life. And all of uh, the international students, I, I need to let you know something. If I would come to your country, I instantly go brain dead with any other language. I just somehow, I, I, I try to understand. I even try to, I'm bad at it. These two would say I'm bad at this language. And uh, <laughs> because I have a hard time understanding when people talk or they have understanding me. But the point that he was making is you cannot comprehend parables. They're, they're given in parables. And matter of fact, he says, and Jesus never spoke or taught without a parable. That's interesting. We're going to look at the word parable, and we're going to come back to what it really means and the, the mysteries of God's words, because I think it's important that we understand those. They're very, very important. And to understand the word mystery, or to understand the word, it is made up of two compound words, and the word is this. Something shut up, something closed off, and the other one is a person initiated into that, which is shut up and closed off. It's kind of like when you used to have the old, uh, I just can remember Barney Rebel and, and uh, Fred Flintstone, and they belonged to the, what was it, the mooses? The water buffalo, perfect. <laughs> we have somebody else over 60 in here, okay. So the water buffalo, they had their little secret codes and their secret handshakes, and you were initiated into the secrets of the water buffalo game. The best that I can relate to this myself uh, is uh, Dr. Strand, a good friend of mine, introduced me to a, a professional golfer, and we became friends with this golfer, and he, uh, he found pleasure in our relationship, and he let me come with him to many different golf matches, and many of the very prestigious ones that were out there, you know, in terms of the Swab Cup or whatever, but many times that we would come there, this would be a very similar experience. We would come, he would say, come with me. We'd, we'd go to a uh, trailer. I don't know if you've probably been to the trailer. And he would come in there, talk to the people, and some of the people in charge of the tournament would come over, and they would give me, the, I'd put my neck down, and they would put a badge around me. And the badge, which I wasn't sure at first what it was for, he said, this badge puts you into an acceptable group that only a few here have the privilege of having. And it will get you into any place you want to go. And so I tried it out. I start through, there's guards standing in front of this door like this, and I just start walking by, and they look at my badge and go, oh, here, go ahead. I walk through, I go in, I sit down at a table for breakfast with Jack Nicholas and Arnold Palmer. And it continued like this. And it was like, man, look what this does. I was initiated into that gr elite group of people to know the secret things, to be in there and hear the conversations around breakfast and stuff. I was allowed to come in there. That's what this portion of scripture is saying to you and I who have believed. We have been initiated in 
to the family and the house of God so that we can hear the, par- the explanation of the parables and the riddles that God is giving in Scripture. The tendency that we have, and many people in leadership position think they have, is I will read this and I will interpret it for you and I will tell you what it means. The Scripture says no prophecy of Scripture is a matter of one's own interpretation. But men moved by the Holy Spirit who are spoken by God came in there. There is one interpretation in the Scriptures and the only one that knows it is God. And he will let those of his know how to interpret that parable. I know some of you are pretty familiar with the word, so uh, this won't completely hit it, but some of you that have never heard this will get a sense of this. I'm going to give you a riddle. And uh, those of you that know this riddle because you know the author of the riddle, don't raise your hand, okay? And he says this, Out of the eater came something to eat, and out of the strong came something sweet. How many have never heard that before? Raise your hand. Okay, you've never heard that. How many would like to that have never heard it? Tell me what that means. (laughs) Out of the eater came something to eat, and out of the strong came something sweet. Here's the point of that. Many hands. Okay, we have some to do. You want to interpret it? Oh, <laughs> that's okay. Well, you'd probably ruin my whole story, but that's okay. Here's the point that it was making. If you had never heard somebody tell you that, or if you had never read about this, you could not interpret it. The people in the scriptures in Judges chapter 14, verse 14, nobody could interpret it. Nobody could find out what it meant. Because the only person that understands a riddle is the person that writes the riddle. And so what it was is a story, real quickly, is Samson, after he is born, says he's a mighty man of God, a few verses later, it talks about him walking somewhere in the wilderness, and this lion comes out to attack him, and there's a fight. It doesn't say how long the fight was, but it does say that he, by his bare hands, killed this lion and ripped him open, and the lion lay dead. A period of time goes by, and he comes by, and he sees the carcass with the, the rib cage open, and the rib cage is open, and there's a beehive in it, and the bees are in there swarming around, and he comes, sticks his hand in there, pulls out honey, and eats the honey. Are you now starting to get the riddle? Nobody could get it except for one person who seduced him, because his weakness was women, and seduced him into telling her what it was. You see, the point of this whole thing here is that you and I cannot understand parables. But we try to read them and explain them before we hear from the author to explain it. And this is what he was telling his disciples, and that's why he he did it in such a, on top of the other one, top of the other one, top of the other one, and every time he would take them away and tell them the riddle. Then he'd go ahead and tell another one, and then take them away and tell them the riddle, and tell them the riddle. And the point they were getting is they got to bend their their head down and have a badge put on them and says, you belong to me. 
To you has been given the mystery of the kingdom of God, which it says angels and prophets and all the righteous ones before looked at this and longed for this and said, we long for this day. And then Jesus goes and he tells them the parables and he keeps telling them the answers to it. So almost every parable, they just went back there and waited for the solution to the parable. And then he comes only a few days later and he says, I'm going to go now and die. Who's going to tell us the answers? Who's going to tell us the answers to the parables? And he said, you ought to be rejoicing because I'm with you now to tell you the answers of the parables. I have included you into my gathering and you are mine. No longer do I call you slaves, but I call you friends for a slave does not know what his master is doing, but you are my friends. And so I reveal all these things to you, but I'm going to go and I won't leave you alone. I am going to send forth my spirit, the Holy Spirit in you, and the Holy Spirit's going to come in you. And it says, and he will then reveal all the things that I know and would reveal to you. You ought to be rejoicing now that everybody in this room that has come to Christ has the interpreter of every parable dwelling inside your soul right now. You don't need me to tell you what it means. We're going to talk to you about then how can you begin to open up these riddles? And we're going to talk about that. And then next week, we're going to go into a lot of things about the soil and the parables because then we can enter it with the right mindset. You get the mindset? This is about you guys being loved and being chosen by God to come into his home, to come into the secret chambers. The word there literally means he sits on a couch. The word couch means pillow but he sits on a pillow and in an intimate conversation tells you the hidden things of God that it says angels long to see. That's the honor we have as he chose you to come into his kingdom. Now, those that have not responded to God's call in their life are called outsiders. It says they get everything in parables with no explanation. They're just guessing. I was going to use a lot on something about a politician, but we're getting pretty close here. But a lot of politicians decide that they'll throw out some scripture so that they can try to win some people over and say, hey, I'm one of you. And they use a scripture and kind of say something about it, and it's just totally out of context, has no understanding. Now, I don't think there's something bad about them. They just cannot understand the things of God if they're not born of God. And by the way, you and I, born of God, can block our understanding of the things of God by just a few things. And what we're going to try to do today is try to say, here are some things that will help you get open channels to the parables of God. So then you can read and you can understand or you can listen. I was put in my place this week because I, I, uh, I feel that we are a generation of people that don't study the word for ourselves. I think we're a generation that listens to the word uh, uh, by the preacher or we put on our iPhone and we listen to it. And I said, we just lost the, the, the heart of people studying the word. And I was kind of getting on kind of a platform with some good friends of mine. And one of them just said one word and I immediately 
kind of just like a little dog, kind of went like this. He said, until the printing press, nobody had the word. Get that? They had to hear it in the temple being preached. So I said, all right, but they should try to get in it now that they have it. <laughs> I had to say something. I said, all right, I stand totally corrected. But here's the deal. Whether you hear the word preached, whether you listen to it, whether you hear it in a song, whether you hear it in your soul, whether you read the scriptures and study them and see it, you can have the ability to understand the word of God. And first and foremost is this, that not foremost, but there's three things that I have come to see as I looked at Scripture and I go back into uh, the night that Jesus was talking to his disciples and he was telling them all these things before he would die and these are some of the things. Number one is that are you reconciled? Are you reconciled? Are you living a reconciled life? That word simply means have you made right your relationships? with yourself, by forgiving yourself? Have you made right your relationship with God by accepting his unconditional forgiveness towards you and for you, that you can't do anything to earn his love, you can't do anything to earn his acceptance, that God came and said, I choose you, and he nailed himself to a cross and said, Tisteloste, it is finished. You guys can't earn your way with me ever again, and you can't lose it ever again. You are adopted into my home. I call you my own. Have you accepted that reconciliation? Thirdly, if you have been hurt or offended by anybody that just broken expectations, have you reconciled that by forgiving those people, releasing those people, because their offense was against God anyway, you just happened to share the suffering with God. And it was against him, and Jesus said, that offense was against me, and I released him of it 2,000 years ago, and I said, it is finished, leave it alone. So can you go ahead and say, then if it's finished with you, since it was against you, I got to share with the pain with you, I will let them go, and I will finish it. That's reconciliation. If that has not happened, please stop sometime today. Don't wait too long and get reconciled with yourself, with God, and with other people. This one, I think, is the hardest one. Are you willing to hear God on his terms? Now, let me explain what that means. We have so many, and I'm guilty of this a lot, we have so many people that come to God with what is called an empty cry. You see, an open cry is, God, you speak, whatever it is you speak, whatever it is you reveal this parable to me, I'm all in. It doesn't matter what it is, I'm all in. Most of us, on our terms, come to God, and we, we want to know and hear from God, but we want to hear the things on our terms of how we want it to go. Well, I really want you to do that because I want all my kids happy. Nancy and I always talk about, because we grew up in sports, and sports was uh, quite a common thing. I'm not even sure God exists around sports. It's just amazing how the tempers that can come out of you. But we would sit there, and we would, we would things would become so intense because uh, we'd be watching a game, and we knew that our, our kids had somehow 
started to get some sense of life from how good they performed because they, they were squeezed in the world's mold just like the rest of the world, even though we tried to tell them not. And so if somebody threw a pitch that looked like a ball, but the umpire called it a strike, to us it wasn't a strike or a ball issue. It was, if that could be the thing that tips them over and they begin to get all uptight and they begin to freak out and all of a sudden it was a life or death situation to us. So many times to hear God, we wanted to hear him on our terms. That our kids would be happy and play well and do well. How many of you guys want to hear God's word on your terms? <laughs> My wife, one of the brave ones. We got a bunch of them starting to come up. God, I do. And all he says is, I want you to be honest with yourself, honest with your soul. Would you at least say, God, because he says this, I will not answer, nor will I give you a response if you come to me with an empty cry. God said that. Empty cry just means I want to hear from you the way I like life to be. Lastly, this is huge. I don't like, I, I mean, it's a great word, it really is but uh, it's been so misused by the legalists, and I'm sure I've used it at times in a, in a false way too, and I repent for it, but to be obedient to the things that you have heard from God will quicken your ear to hear the next things from God. John 7:17 7, says, if you'll do this thing that I have set before you, then you'll know the next teachings, whether they're from God or man. And if you do those things that then I let before you, you'll know the next teachings, which are from God or man. And pretty soon, that voice becomes pretty familiar. You young mothers in here, if, you, if that door opens up and you hear your little kid in the nursery, you know which one's yours. And it's, it's all kinds of things happen because you've gotten sensitive to that voice. So here's something that I challenge you with. When you hear the meaning of the parable, whatever that is, be faithful to be obedient and surrender your will to say, God, here I am, choose me. I can't do this, but you can through me, so I open myself to let you be empowered through me to be obedient to that. I had somebody come up and visit with me in between services, and they were hurt deeply by somebody, and uh, said, what, what do you think I should do? And they, were, they knew what to do. They just wanted a confirmation. They needed to forgive. And then they asked about something, and I said, I don't know. I, I have a scripture that says, never returning insult for insult, but a blessing instead. Maybe you should ask the Holy Spirit to tell you today what kind of blessing that God is asking you to give to this person. And immediately said, he already did. And then said, I did it last night. And I said, then you're well on your way to hearing the next things from God. That makes sense to you? Okay, in Tom, if you want to come up. Uh, Tom's written a song, and this is kind of a, a conclusion to the soils, but it's going to be introducing what we're going to talk about. Because next week we're going to go into these soils. What kind of soil are you? And what kind of soil are you investing in? You know, you're not supposed to invest in just anything. 
And I think it's really a lot of information that I think is a little scary. But I want you to listen to God's anointed Tom with these words. He wrote this song. And it's going to talk about soils. And it's going to talk about what are those things that choke you? What are those things you're not content with? What are those things that rob you so that the soil that you have is not bearing fruit? It's not bearing anything that's solid. And you know what I mean by that. And we'll talk about it next week, and that is that I believe that fruit is not all the people in the lives that you're seeing come to Christ, and you're always out there saying, I'm bearing fruit, I'm telling everybody about Jesus. That is not what the definition of that word means. Fruit is the outward expression of the inward nature, and 1 Peter says, the inward nature of us is the life of Christ. So the outward expression is the character and the life of Christ resembled by what it goes on to that passage, a good character, a loving character, joyful character. I told the first service, I said, sometimes it is absolutely annoying to me and I have to just watch forgiveness when I see people go into a restaurant that are Christians, at least they're saying they are, and they make it well known that they're going to bow their heads so everybody can see. I'm not against blessing your food. But all I can tell you this, if you bless your food, then let the fruit of Christ come out of you at that restaurant. I see people go to restaurants, bow their head, and then they're rude to the, the waitress, and they don't leave any tip, and it's not at all bearing fruit. This is what God wants to do to give you a chance to get into good soil that will actually just produce it through you. So listen to these words, meditate on them, take them home, and we'll continue with this next week as we pick up from the passage. You have not chosen me, but I have chosen you. And I've appointed you that you might bear much fruit. You have not chosen me, but I have chosen you. What you ask I will do because I've chosen you. But don't let the world and all its worries Choke you with its hurries There's nothing more important for you Than to set your eyes on me and bear fruit Remember a farmer went out sowing seed one day Throwing seed every way, it landing where it may. And what the birds did not eat up spread root and grew. Reveling in the truth, rejoicing in its youth. But as that seed began to grow, others did too. The thorns and some thistles grew, competing for the view. And all those anxious cares, those worries strangle you. Trying to block the sun and choke his precious fruit. But don't let the world and all its worries choke you with its hurries. 
There's nothing more important for you than to set your eyes on me and bear fruit. Don't let the world and all its worries choke you with its hurries. There's nothing more important for you than to set your eyes on me. Oh, just abide in me, children, set your eyes on me and bear fruit. Just so you know that at the end of each service, over here, we're going to have elders that are always available for you. If you just want to talk about something, uh, maybe have them pray with you. Maybe some of you have said, how do I come to faith? Come over there into the corner and they'll always be there with you. Would you just pray with me as we close? Father, you are so faithful. I, I marvel every time that uh, we get to open the word and it really points to your life. Way more than just letters of an alphabet on paper. It comes alive when you touch it. I pray that these words would come into our hearts and they would move into our brains and our minds and cause our life to experience that life that Tom sang about, that we would bear fruit because you said in that where your joy be made complete. Thank you, Father, today that we might go forth in this day and enjoy you and enjoy all that you've given us. Amen.